0: Call Steve Witherup.
1: Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile.
0: Hey. Hey, man. Oh, how are you? Do you hear, uh... Do you hear Maggie's bathwater running?
1: Uh... <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yeah, well... If anybody else, uh, well, there she is screaming. Uh, If anybody else does, that's that is uh, that's just a few feet away from me on the other side of the wall. But, uh,
1: well, wait a minute. Is Chelsea in there with her, or are you just?
0: (laughs) I say, hey, you're four months now, so do your best.
1: Let me know if it's too hot or cold.
0: (laughs) No, we left Zeke in there with her, so she should be fine. Ah,
1: good, no problem.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. What are you doing?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, this is Sunday night right now. And part of the reason we're recording a little bit later is Beth was gone all weekend. And so it was just me and the four horsemen. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would be awesome if you actually called them that. Like <laughs> and, yeah, super yeah, homeschool never, dad, like, uh, yeah.
1: And I can promise you I'm not just trying to cover up. I've never said – that's the first time I've ever said that uh, <laughs> as it pertains to them. But it's – that's always – it's fun. They're they're incredibly uh, energetic.
0: So. What – like genuinely though, because I, I think I probably know, but what did you guys do the whole weekend?
1: Well – it, it's actually really it's more boring so I'm not going to uh, go on because what's tough right now is I had to fit it basically had to fit them into everything that um, I already had to do so I had to like take them to the farmers market that we were at Saturday um I don't know I can hear I can hear the uh, forward 10 second button being
0: no right no 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 they, <laughs> ne- they never do that for us.
1: That, right they just yeah but anyway so but yeah and then they I mean they're they're wonderful they're they're great kids they fight a lot though and and it's becoming that's tiring and I haven't told them the other day or yesterday I was like it it's really tiring for me when I feel like I have to parent every interaction if that makes sense oh yeah and so, well, they're all separated like,
0: by exactly two years, right? Just about. Yes.
1: Yeah. And so, there, there's two are always fighting. Like it, you know, it's it's inevitable. Um, and so it's just a matter of which two and which, you know, which fights I have to break up and all that kind of good stuff. But that's I don't want to exaggerate that, but it because they're also just great boys. But you know,
0: I think. I don't know. I think everybody is hitting a a certain limit because we're, I just told uh, Steve a second ago, uh, we're officially now six months into not meeting as a church. So I'm guessing that that would have been like March 15th, I think was the service that we missed, the first service we missed. So I think COVID had been around for maybe a few weeks before that, that it had ramped up, but everyone... Has hit a, I mean, I, I was just talking to Zeke the other day and I'm like, I, I'm so sick of telling you not to do things. I just, right. I can't, I can't keep doing this. Please, just, please just don't make me have to do this. I Pick cannot imagine. something I can say yes to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just can't imagine that times four because they are all, all your kids are, well, you, I mean, you hear Zeke right now screaming in the hallway, uh, all of your kids are high energy. Yeah. And
1: that, man, um, yeah, six months since we've met. That's that's crazy. I because I was thinking the other day, like and I'll let I don't want to announce things for other people and let them be the ones that make public statements. But like big things have happened within our community, what, you know, like births, people moving, uh, like job you know, I mean, there's just a lot that has happened in the last six months and so much that just unfortunately feels like it's been in isolation.
0: I mean, yeah, major transition things, uh, people announcing births, babies having been born and that's just in people moving, you know, to different coasts and that's just in six months of our little church. It's just, it is really weird. I I saw somebody that had their baby in our church and I'll just leave it ambiguous. I think they've already announced it, but I'll just leave it ambiguous. But I saw them the other day and took them took them dinner and I got to I got to give one of them a hug. We were both wearing masks and we both did it in a very awkward way, but I'm like that's the first time I've I've seen them in person in 6 months. It's just yeah. so bizarre.
1: Yeah. But I'm also very happy for them.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, it's strange. I I was, I you know, contrary to popular belief, I I don't post everything that I think online. I I let things sit. I there's a, some kind of post or writing or something that's been uh rolling around in my head for a few weeks. Uh, did I tell you, Steve, that I wrote I read that book, uh, that little book, Domestic Monastery by Rollheiser?
1: Rohlheiser? No.
0: So it's, it's, you know, it's less than a hundred pages. And he says that, um, he contends that like stay at home moms, um, are every, are, are living like a cloistered kind of monastic lifestyle, just as much as monks are, depending on what intention they put into it, you know, in the same way that monks could live a monastic lifestyle and if they weren't doing it intentionally or whatever, then it would be worthless. Um Mm -hmm. but he he paints the picture of the home as like the monastery and uh and says that it's a perfect it's a perfect place to meet God in because it's uh in the same way of like there being the order of a monastery, there's there is a rhythm to how family life works. And so I have felt like This really, I'm glad I read that book because being quarantined, even with a little bit of, you know, loosening now, um, it has felt very much, uh, like that. Like it has felt like this real experience of, because we, we bought our first house in February and moved in. And so we've had this little, you know, this little backyard space and we have our front yard and we have this house and. Um, I don't know. And, you know, obviously we had a baby during quarantine and so we've just been, it's been a good opportunity to slow down and to, you know, find new rhythms and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of people are finding that like the instinctual, um, ability to kind of live a slowed down way um is has been buried for a long time and so it feels so unnatural but i think it's only unnatural because we're so far removed from what once was instinctual
0: the feeling that i have is that it felt unnatural for the first few months and i feel like it's reordered things for people in a, in a healthy way with the way that they view work, the way that they view their family, the way they view their, their home, their little plot. Um, I think, yeah, I I, th- I think it's been, I think it's been, I mean, obviously it's been extremely tough. I think I am very conscious of people that are single or that have issues going on at home and that this has been, you know, devastating, debilitating loneliness, and it's made every issue more apparent, you know, between families and stuff. But, um, and of course, there's some of that that's present. But I do think overall for me, it's gotten me into a better rhythm. What's weird is like, even Zeke, Chelsea was telling uh, Jamie Cyrus this today. We let the boys uh, ride their bikes around at their daycare spot. Parking lot, and Chelsea was telling her that Zeke has has almost become more of a homebody. Like he was always somebody that wanted to get out and do things and stuff, and and now home represents something totally different. He loves he, you know, I'll catch him saying things like, even under his breath, not even to anybody, saying <laughs> he's screaming, uh, saying, "I love my house. I love this house," and if we're out somewhere, if we go to the grocery store or something, he says, I I just want to go home. I just want to be with my family. (laughs) It's really sweet. Um, Wow. It's yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of lessons to be learned if we open ourselves to to receive them, I guess.
0: What's interesting to me about the context of what we've been talking about (laughs) juxtaposed with today's text is, that today's text is about settling disputes between brothers that are in a community together. And as far as I know, I could be wrong. I don't think we've had any opportunity to have beef among us in the last six months.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we found the cure.
0: What could we even, what could we even be mad at each other about?
1: Right. Well, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's things going on that we have no idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there are. Uh, I, I do, I do think that friendships have been strained during this because you know, or been tested and things like that. So maybe, maybe it isn't as uh, as ridiculous as I made it out to be.
1: Oh, tell us more about that. Who?
0: (laughs) Well, um, my list of people that I hate right now. Yeah. I, Ch- I, Chelsea's told me this before. I, I don't have a good enough memory to hold a grudge. I just don't like, I don't, my brain moves on way too fast. Like a dog. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked, wait, we talked about this a few weeks ago, about people that hold on to grudges for years and years and years.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, well, let me read today's text then. And then, uh, I'm going to do it in two different translations and then we will uh, we'll get into it. Let's see here, Matthew eighteen fifteen through twenty. If a num- if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you've regained that one. But if you're not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I am there among them. All right, and then I'm going to read this in the message. Because it's kind of convoluted, and I like what Peterson does with it. Matthew 18:15 through 20. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest. And try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Take this most seriously. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in Heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. I don't want to start with a negative, but I guess I am. I've seen this passage misused in the church quite a bit. Have you?
1: Um, I mean, without being able to reference specific examples, yes. And I'm sure uh, what's people use it as a weapon, not a weapon, but as a, an excuse to, you know, bring point the, you know, the, the moral police finger at other people.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I think weaponizing is, is, uh, is true of a lot of the way that people use scripture, but I've seen it as a, um, as a cover up for people that have done harm, like deep harm in the church, things that are, you know, sometimes criminal uh, sometimes that are just kind of egregious overreaches of power or something like that where if somebody brings it to light um, especially if it's against someone who's in authority by someone who's just in the church or something they'll point to Matthew 18 and say uh, you're to bring that to me first or you know or they somebody does bring it to them and then it never. You know, it never comes out, or the the patterns of you know unhealthy things continue because they've never seen the light of day. Because they point to Matthew eighteen or something like that.
1: Well, the point of this is isn't isn't an exact an exact formula. Even though, in one sense, it, it does offer a formula, but it's not it's not at the absolute heart of it. In the way, like um, it's almost like if um, i don't know say someone was obviously guilty of murder or committing a crime and a police officer did something somewhat insignificant in the handling of the evidence but according to the letter of the law it did eliminate that from the prosecutor's case and so maybe that enabled for the the person to be able to get off like to your point it's it's almost like someone who genuinely is accused of something they tried to say well you broke this formula yeah 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 and so um but but let's get past that and and get to you know what's what's really the what's what's happening here why is jesus even um why is he giving them them this as as a tool like what's at the heart of this
0: well and jesus takes this seriously i mean i think i think the, one of the first things that stands out to me is that like uh, it does seem like it's a, a weird intrusion of like a, a, you know, like a a work HR manual on how to deal with conflict or something. But he he presupposes that there is going to be conflict and that it's important how you deal with it. I mean, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says if you've uh, if you're bringing your offering somewhere and you realize that you uh, have offended your brother or someone has an offense with you leave the altar go deal with the the offense and then come back and and give your offering so it it is important the way that we deal with things between uh each other i think that's a it's a
1: huge point because you're right how many how many little sub communities or whatever have started maybe they've broken away from something um maybe as a result of conflict that happened or something. And kind of the beginning, the heart of it is like, well, we'll just all get along, like we'll do this right. (laughs) Yeah, right. And and I and you are absolutely right. You know, Jesus isn't saying basically the church should by loving each other, that means if you love each other properly, that means that you'll never have conflict. He he does presuppose it. It's like this is part of what it means for a community to evolve and become stronger and to become uh, a better representation of, of an alternative way of being in the world. It's, it's not by just simply avoiding the, these types of moments that have conflict. It's, it's, it's knowing how to, to, to face them in a way that produces growth.
0: It's extremely easy to maintain shallow relationships with people and never face conflict. You know, like
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: And so, if you are in, what amounts to a real relationship with someone, I mean, me and you have talked about this this week, with a podcast that we listen to, that, you know, now multiple years into listening to this person, it's like, I kind of know your deal now. Um, I can see through all the cutesy stuff that you're doing and you just irritate me now. Like almost in the same way of a family member. Like I still like you, but you annoy the heck out of me. And and I do think that it's important that we risk relationships, uh, that we risk having real relationships that get to that point. It's true.
1: If, it, you know, it, a lot of, you know, I hate to say it this way because um, I don't want to assume that, there is no such thing as healthy communities or not healthy, but like as conflict free communities. But, um, but if you show me a church without the relationships being deep enough, that they produce the need to get through these types of moments, then my assumption is that those who are encountering hardships, relational, uh, as they pertain to relationships or just simply abandoning the community. For sure. Like, cause if you stick it out, if you, if you dig in, you know, again, not to be repetitive, but to your point, this will be part
0: of that. Yeah. And, and so because of that, it's extremely important the way that we deal with it because, you know, there are extremes on both ends of how to deal with things like this. It's either, um, you know, totally avoid conflict at all costs. And then people just, you know, slowly but surely leave whenever they're faced with something because there is no tools to deal with it. Um, or it's just really aggressive and weird and it doesn't, things are not dealt with, um, with tenderness and there is no kind of order to it. It's just shun people from the group. And so, if you don't fit into exactly what uh, the group norm is, then essentially you're you're just expelled from the group. You can't be a part of it, and so it doesn't it doesn't ever seek restoration. It's it's just and so both sides don't seek re- restoration. Whether you're whether you're too aggressive and ready to kick people out, or you just never never deal with it, there's no there's no real healing there.
1: Yeah, that's that's the same problem.
0: Exactly. Being,
1: uh, yeah, being um, just showing itself on two different ends of that spectrum. Um, but you're right, and it seems like a lot of times the goal of of individuals, and I, and I'm not speaking exclusively in terms of you know just church members, but just human nature is to just isolate themselves in safe safe places and by safe places i mean with people who think in the same way that they do
0: seemingly like, conflict free right spaces. because
1: yes because you know obviously for good reasons the the idea of diversity is is very central to a lot of conversation right now as it pertains to church but but dif- just looking differently does not Necessarily mean you have a diverse group of ideas within within a single body. For sure, you know. So, so I, I would like to think, and I know that there's a few people out there who still think this way that they don't want to be part of a group with others who just simply look differently than them. But let's let's. That's not who we're talking about this point at this point. Um, but just as big of a problem in my mind is. Like being, and it might even be a tougher challenge is to be a part of a group that thinks differently than you do in certain areas and still be able to move forward, to move forward in a life producing and healthy way. Because you can isolate yourself with people that you will not have conflict with, but but you also won't grow as an individual or as a community.
0: Yeah. One thing- and maybe, maybe, well,
1: not to interrupt, sorry, but maybe conflict isn't the right word because like, what would be a better word to, I guess, to describe what we're talking about? Cause it's not like there, well, there's different ways to look at this. Um, and I'm not talking about, okay, you stole my, you know, you stole my I don't know favorite pen that I like to take notes with, and so we have a like, you know, so I have to confront you with that, and we have a conflict. it It just feels like, you know there's there's a better way to describe it because it seems like a lot of the division in the um, in the in the in the splitting and the leaving and the abandoning of the things that should be producing. Growth, you know, it's more like it's more of just a different way of of viewing certain ways of being.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's that. I think there's ideological kinds of things where you just know that you don't line up with someone, values or politically or whatever. But then there's also just stuff that happens at like a soul kind of a level, like at the emotional kind of place in your heart, so to speak, or whatever, and the thing that i think is interesting is like it and this is in the message it says if, if a fellow believer hurts you go and tell them and like i am that that is like that sounds horrible like that is not that's not my natural inclination if if i feel hurt by something it's the the move is uh one get over it Two, if you don't get over it, just don't think about it. And You know, like the idea of going to someone and humbling yourself enough to say, Hey, something that you did hurt me. Does that, does that sound foreign to you or as foreign to you as it does to me? Well,
1: yes. But also what's interesting about that is there was an article I read on this text this week. And the assumption by most of us who deal with this, the, the, the tough elements of this text deal with it from the perspective of, of us being the ones who are wounded. Right. Um, and, you know, are we honest enough and self-aware enough to realize whether it's intentional or unintentional, um, usually probably a combination of the two, that we also are wounding agents Yeah. Within the community, you know, but but either way, like, um, you know, of course, yes, it becomes a very foreign, difficult thing to because it it, it's almost of it it feels weak to say that you wounded me, you know, but then also we are very surprised and taken back. If someone would say, you know, I wounded you. Right. Or um, So from both sides of that, it, it's, you know, it's funny. Th- this is the type of text that it's like, it's so, um, it's so obvious what the message is. It's not like we have to dig deep into this in order to bring out obscure meaning <laughs> right it, you know it's not it's not hard to figure out what it's saying it's just extremely difficult to implement into our life you know it, it's
0: very easy to think about this tap this text in a detached way if it because it but it's extremely hard to engage in this sort of thing when you're the one who has been wounded and hurt and you know it it, it goes on to say obviously like bring two people Two or three people with you to that brother or sister who's harmed you and get them to be a part of it, which is its own another layer of like weird vulnerability of bringing other people into a situation where you know maybe when you bring the hurt out into the light of day and you have to say what caused it, you know, you wouldn't want to show yourself that weak to other people. And I'm projecting this would be my thing, uh, and so you're bringing other people in the community and then if that doesn't work bring it to the church and all that kind of stuff and so it's this what may have started as a small thing that gets snowballed into bringing other people into it and it it is given a level of importance that you know may feel like it's not commensurate with what the actual initial thing was but i mean to to make it specific um i had some like distant family members who will truly never listen to this that irritated me about something. Just, it was a weird, dumb family thing. Like, you know, just hurt one of my nuclear family members. And I thought about it and about dealing with it and about like, you know, calling them and going through all the stuff. And it was like, you know what? Instead I'm going to block both of them on Facebook and I'm never going to talk to them again. That was, I mean, and that's kind of where it stands at present. And I, I just know that all of us have something like that, where we are absolutely not dealing with things.
1: Well, you're right. And, but it, yeah, it, it, it's a weird balance because we all know people who, um, you know, I don't know. You say something just in passing as a small joke, and they come to you with a eight page <laughs> right text about how you offended them with with what you said. You know, um, but then the other side of that is though, like like you alluded to earlier, like there's certain situations where you feel like you're making a big deal out of something. Then then than is actually there by going and bringing other people into this and going through this whole process. And so there's there's a fine line, and there's, there needs to be wisdom and understanding what does need to just simply get it gotten over isn't necessarily maybe the the right phrase, but whatever whatever a better way of saying that would be. But But there's also the side of this that has – cosmic implications like like in the midst of this text like as part of this jesus goes into things like you know whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven you know if two of you are gathered uh here on earth uh what's it say or where you are where where two or three are gathered as my followers, I am there among you. Um, and I like the way the message said that, but without going into like the details of that,
0: I mean, those are big implications. The presence of God in the world as, uh, you know, as we gather together, uh, whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven and all that kind of stuff. Pretty big implications.
1: There's absolute cosmic implications. And like the
0: thing in the midst of, like quarrels and squabbles among the people. So what seems inconsequential is cosmic in nature.
1: Yes. And and so what what is the you know what's what's the church's or the you know the church community's responsibility in this is like okay like we said earlier conflict or or disagreement or whatever it will be a part of the way in which uh, communal relationships or all relationships uh, evolve and grow. But, but the church as a model, for allowing those to produce growth as opposed to producing division is one of the greatest gifts that this community can offer the world.
0: Yes, we can embody a, a different way of dealing with conflict in the world that, that shows, that shows the world that there is faithful and, or shows the world that there are better alternatives.
1: I don't think that can be said strongly enough. Cause again, this is such a simple, a a simple text. like, and it's so easy to just simply hear something like this and be like, yeah, okay. Don't gossip, get along, but then go and live our individualistic lives, you know, but, but there is just literally cosmic implications of, of giving the world a representation or an example of the way in which these types of, of, of relationships don't have to lead to division. Like they don't, they can, they can lead to a stronger, uh, more diverse, a, a, um, a more courageous, a more resilient community.
0: Yeah. And, and it's, it's vulnerability that's required for it, but it's, it's also courage and, and a kind of, uh, taking back of power or something like that. And I don't mean power in an unhealthy way. I mean it in a, in a good way. So if you, if you is the one who is wounded and who has been harmed, take that offense or take that hurt to the person who did the wounding or harm harmful thing. It, it almost gives you your power back so that you're not the powerless one who, you know, lets a root of bitterness spring up that defiles many or whatever, like the new Testament says, uh, but but you are able to say I'm I'm committed to I'm committed to my own mental state, my own spiritual health in this but there's this belief that in doing so the health of the whole community is is uh, is helped by that process and I don't know I just think that that's I, I think it's a kind of different way of looking at power within the kingdom within a you know church community faith community um that conflict is somehow holy and moves us forward it's
1: true because well maybe we can talk about this for a little bit because well we've alluded to this in in different podcasts and usually when we allude to it we talk about how we don't want to necessarily get into the idea of cancel culture, you know, but speaking to that just a little bit, my my thought often goes to have we lost the ability to forgive? Like what what does what does forgiveness look like in the midst of this? And and how vital is that concept? in relation to, you know, uh, like a more beautiful expression on the other side of the conflict.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned cancel culture with relation to this, because, uh, I read Diana Butler Bass, uh, who is great writer, but is, yeah, fantastic. She's, um, extremely outspoken politically. She's very, uh, you know, very progressive, very much on the left, very adversarial against uh, the modern right and that kind of thing. But anyway, when she wrote, uh, she wrote kind of like a, a Twitter commentary on uh, the lectionary passage today. And she said, uh, she titled it How, How Jesus Cancels. And she said, today's lectionary reading hint, it isn't easy uh, and it's about truth. Then she goes on, she says, uh, read it in tandem with this oh oh no one anything except to love one another for the uh, for the one who loves for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law the commandments are summed up in this word love your neighbor as yourself love does no wrong to a neighbor therefore love fulfills the law also note jesus loved gentiles and tax collectors talked with them healed them invited them to dinner love your neighbor especially in resolving disputes and creating a community whose witness is love. That's the point. So quote, canceling end quote moves toward embracing a healing of our own grudges and dispersing gossips and lies making possible the community that breaks down boundaries between people, especially of race and class. There is effectively no canceling in beloved community, only love. If this many reflection isn't entirely clear, the first tweet, how Jesus cancels, is ironic. Jesus doesn't cancel. Jesus creates a vision of truthfulness that opens the possibility to love our neighbors as ourselves. Blessings, as you consider these words of Jesus, this isn't supposed to be easy. It's about moving past our own pain and delusion to love of neighbors. Love of our neighbors. We've got a lot of hard work ahead of us, and Jesus' wisdom here spoke to me today in an unexpected way. I thought that was really good, because... You know my gut instinct, her gut instinct, I would guess would be to anyone who is uh, seemingly oppositional to you or that is pretty pretty different than you ideologically uh, is to just get them out and and that is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is saying.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a tremendous point because whenever, We read, you know, it's like, okay, try to resolve this, you know, go through these steps. But if it doesn't work, then treat them like tax collectors and and pagans. Then we, you know, if we're honest, a lot of us read that. And basically that's the equivalent of uh, deleting their... um,
0: Blocking um, them on Facebook.
1: Blocking them, yeah. Just uh, showing you I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Taking sorry.
0: them off but, Google,
1: take, right? <laughs> but but that is the case. And but but just like what she she said in that that quote that you were reading, it's like okay. Well, what does that mean? How does Jesus? What does Jesus think of tax collectors and and um, pagans? He eats know? with them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He 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 seeks out conversation with them. His arms are always extend it um yeah so, yeah because we
0: take that as oh treat them the way you do gentiles and tax collectors and uh and and cast them aside and that does not read well with the life of jesus or you know the message of the early church it's like gentiles oh they're actually a part of all of this and uh and jesus eats with tax collectors and welcomes them in
1: and along those same lines you know, if whatever the modern day label would be that is equivalent to pagan or tax collector, basically in our mind, those people have nothing to offer to our growth. And so, like the perspective is, uh, you know, if whether we're blocking them on social media, or whatever the pers- we we do that because they have nothing to offer to my perspective. We have we have shut them out as potential um, contributors to the expansion of my understanding of the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, you and I have personally talked about this. I've been really trying to listen to people that I disagree with kind of uh, at a foundational level, just so that I don't, you know, deal with their thinking in a way that's not charitable, but not just that, but that kind of, lumps them into something that is easy to, um, that's easy to cast aside. Um, I, I I don't want to, I don't want to deal in a shallow way with people. Like I, I, I don't, I want to get to the heart of things to into people's motives and hidden fears and legitimate concerns and that kind of thing. And I, I think even if you never, change your position on things. I do think that it's important that we see people as they are and not as this caricature that we paint of them or this way of othering them to put them into, you know, opposing camps or something. These simple dualisms instead of dealing with like the subtleties of human nature. I mean, we are not in like it. We don't fit as easy as we w- that we think that we do into left or right or all of these, you know, all of these dualistic kind of things that are presented to us and
1: not even close. Like you, you can't say that in a, in a strong enough way. It's just that true, you know, and I don't want to ever be someone that someone else is afraid to voice an opinion around, you know,
0: anything, of course. Right yeah and
1: so so within so within a community again i don't want i don't want to be a member of an echo chamber like um i I think i've talked to you about this before i almost especially as it pertains to offering sermons like i don't want to preach to an echo chamber like i don't at all no it, it absolutely is and because for a few reasons, but for one reason is that I know that I haven't arrived at the proper conclusion in all the things that I'm speaking about. And so I need alternative perspectives. I need questioning, um, you know, as it pertains to things that I have said or ideas that I've expressed. And and, And I don't ever want to be someone that doesn't feel like a, you know, as a space that 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 is able to be expressed and i know that's you know expanding a little bit from from this text you know and um it's like because of course if i hurt or wound somebody i I want to be somebody who they are able to come to and say you wounded me in this way but but even then beyond that like as as a speaker or whatever, it's like I, I want to be someone that welcomes um, ideas that that might conflict or offer nuance or offer unique perspective or, or you know angles that I haven't considered. I mean, it's how we grow. It's how we it's how we reach wisdom. None of us none of us contain it all. We need we need to be sharpened by those that we that we entrust our lives with
0: yeah and and jesus is encouraging conversation i mean it i think you know we've talked about this the modern kind of thing is if there's a space that you quote don't feel safe in unquote don't you know don't engage don't just essentially cut that person out of your life. And I think there are obviously times when the, the abuse is significant and a person is genuinely not a safe person to engage with. I, I agree with that, of course. But I, I do think that that's more, uh, more rare than not and that conversation is so important and dealing with something is like the real path to your own healing and to the other person's healing. And then at the cosmic level that we were talking about earlier to the whole church itself and the world and that kind of conflict and struggle and back and forth, it it helps us all grow. It is the path to wisdom that you were talking about. And that's the, you know, that's the spot I want to be in. I want to be in a place where I'm not just categorizing people as other and casting them aside. But really, dealing and engaging with people at the heart, soul kind of level. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, a couple of things to that, like the first thing that's real quick is, as um, um, as ripped from today's headlines as you can get, in a sense, someone, can vote for a candidate that you are not voting for and still offer beneficial things to your world or to your life.
0: I mean, yes. As much as I hate to say yes to that, the answer is yes. Right. And go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say, but the other thing is – what is what is one of the the main roadblocks then for all of these things that we've talked about from happening or what what's what's one of the main ingredients that needs to be in place in order for what we've been talking about to take place and and it is simply just this that you have to be immersed in the community out of which this type of these types of interactions can happen because like, I know that it is just so it's, 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 it's just drawing on the same, you know, thing that we've talked or that so many people are saying that it, but it's so true. These, a lot of the conversations that that are producing nothing but conflict and nothing but um, division they're happening out of the context of community and in the context of um, isolation, and you know whatever else you want to call social media or whatever, that's the platform out of which this kind of stuff is happening.
0: Pure tribalism,
1: but of course. But so, like, but so in that in that realm, how can you how can you even follow the formula that's laid out for us in Matthew? Like, like how can you go? to and get to others and bring them with you to to go engage this person if you don't even know the person you're engaging and you don't even know the two people that you're supposed to be <laughs> right to get, like i don't know some uh you know <laughs> i'm trying to think of a online name it might be used like what am i supposed to go get uh, you know dungeons and dragons 316 to go
0: to, to be honest, there, nobody uses any chat room names in 2020. But
1: okay, well, there's that, that's why we edit it right now
0: <laughs>
1: for me to say, but um, but it's true. So it's so in order, like, like in order for Matthew 18 to play out in any way, you have to be part of something. That, that that is beyond just shallow relationships, because these witnesses that you are supposed to go and get and bring into this conversation, this isn't just some uh, distant objective judge to hear the facts and, and
0: someone random like a like a jury of your yeah. peers, but that you don't know any of them. No,
1: they know you. They know your tendencies. They know the other person. And they know their tendencies, and they can speak into the the specifics of the issue. It's like, man, I I, I got to be honest. I know that your tendency is to, you know, is to um, is is to get offended by by this because of of something, and and I really think it's something that you need to work on. And I really don't think that they meant to offend you because I know them and I know their heart and I don't think that it was an intentional. So
0: that's, yeah, that's the huge thing to me is that, is that there are people there that are not caught up in the emotions of this and can see both people charitably and say, no, no, no. I know this person's motives here. I know what they're scared of. I know the things that they do that are good and the way that they are in the world. Uh, And yeah, it it is. And, and the bigger thing to me is that it's in, like it's in the spirit of reconciliation. It's not, it's not a divisive kind of a attitude. It is, it is working toward healing. That is the, that is the stated goal of the thing. A hundred
1: percent. Right. It's so important because again, those witnesses that are brought in, they are not just there to render judgment in a way that says guilty and innocent. Like, You know, bring the conflict to me so I can say you're right, you're wrong. The goal is to is to go beyond that and create an environment or or an actual expression of uh, of reconciliation and growth. It's it's huge. It's like if if this kind of stuff plays out online or whatever, it's it's you know, you it's it's a debate and, and you're looking to win. The debate, you know, whereas what Matthew 18 is talking about, to your point, has nothing to do with that, has nothing to do with guilty, not guilty, but has everything uh, to do with, with experiencing and modeling that, that actually forgiveness and reconciliation and growth within communal disputes is possible.
0: Yeah, this is not like uh, something where you're trying to dunk on each other. Like the somebody commented on something that I posted a few weeks ago or something, and it was very clear. The tone just kind of sucked. And then they came back days later after no one had, had engaged with it and then wrote another two paragraphs. And it was just like, dude, I don't even know you. And no one here knows you. It was just the perfect example of like, we don't care. It, It like, it's not based in relationship there's no sense that, uh, there's any kind of reconciliatory thing that's trying to be, you know, brought forth. It's just, it's just an attempt to like posture and it helps no one.
1: Right. And wouldn't you hope though? I mean, I have no idea what, you're speaking to specifically, but let's just say that you were wrong in it. Wouldn't you pray not from some, not for some distant person that you don't know to write three paragraphs proving you wrong, but wouldn't you pray for a brother or sister to come to you who knows you and, and speak to you about it in a way that, that brings you to a better understanding of maybe why it was that you were wrong in the way that you spoke. I mean, what a, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, that's not easy. And that, that, that means being vulnerable, but ultimately, my goodness, what a gift to have that in your life.
0: Well, it's a, it's an extremely intimate thing. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've said something or done something, posted something online, whatever, some conversation where I've hung up and Chelsea said, you were just a real asshole to that person. Like, do you not hear the tone? She did it today actually. Cause I, I was ordering something, uh, in the car on the way to lunch. We picked up lunch to go and went to the park and all that. And, uh, she goes, why, why, why do you order things so mean? What are you talking about? She's like, you, you didn't request anything. You just demanded everything. Your tone was bad. And like, I don't know, that's a small dumb thing, but like in actual, in an actual conversation with somebody, if there was conflict or something with my family or whatever, it is, it is a wonderful thing to have a mirror in front of you that is able to say, I I know your heart. I know what you're trying to do. That's not what is, what's coming off that's your you know I, I don't know i just think it's an intimate thing it just chelsea is a good example of that to me
1: well in the main difference is a mirror the gift of the mirror in front of you being one that has your best interest in your goal
0: of course of course
1: and and that to me is you know is is the biggest difference that um that we're seeing played out in the public conversation versus what should be being played out within the church communities.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I talked to a pastor this week, um, in Georgia who pastors a much different church, um, who's a good bit older than me and he, he pastors, uh, a church in a, in a town with a military base, and extraordinarily right-wing conservative kind of politically that's most of his church like probably 97 percent of his church is that i would say probably more um and he feels this huge need he told me that that his people are telling him they want to hear from the pulpit that if donald trump doesn't get elected that the world's going to go to hell and it's you know it's it's going to be the end of the world and without it being as, uh, as intense as that here, you know, myself included, we're all kind of, uh, you know, NPR stickers on the back of our Subaru left-leaning folks and feel like if Donald Trump gets elected, the world's going to go to hell. And it, uh, basically we both had this, this kind of shared thing of, isn't the church supposed to exist outside of and above this sort of thing not not in a way that doesn't deal with the world but that is it's a higher level of being than the way we're to ten- be uh you know as citizens of a country like we we're we're supposed to be called to something higher and so i do think it's important how the church models h- how to deal with differences within it that you know, that we are able to appeal to this thing of being citizens of kingdom of heaven and all this stuff. If if we believe any of it, if we don't believe any of it, then, you know, it, it would be ridiculous to say that. But I do think that there's some call to the church to model what, what differences can look like. And it's not in a kind of cute, passive, oh, we just kind of hold hands together and say, we get along now, let's all say it in unison. We get along. It's like, no, it's going to be a lot of conversations, and a lot of you really hurt me when you said this. You shut me down when we were talking about this, and it was ridiculous to me, and I'm mad about it, and, oh, well, you actually did this to me, and I don't know. I just think it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be weird, but I do think that it's worth doing, worth pursuing. No, of course.
1: The the call is not for the church to model the world how to avoid any of this it's how to uh model that that the good can still be pursued and produced out of it yeah. and you know like i've used this example so many times but it's like uh you know when i look to nature it's like how are these beautiful majestic mountains formed by this collision of these tectonic plates you know so it's like it's like it's not this avoidance like like you said everything just um you know nope head in the sand or head in the ground or whatever and you know we don't have anything to do with 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 uh the way that the world structures itself we don't care about how food is grown how our local economies are established or um you know, or anything like that. We don't, you know, we're just going go to go to church and sing songs. It, it, it's, it's not that at all, but it's, it's how can out of these collisions, there be beautiful things ultimately produced majestic, holy things. Produced.
0: Yeah. Cosmic things. I, I, I think that uh, it's a, it's a huge challenge for me that, that we're supposed to have conflict in a, in a way that is in a path towards healing and reconciliation rather than just posturing.
1: Yeah. And you know, and we've, we've bounced around a lot within this as, um as far as like kind of what we're alluding to, whether it's just these, you know, two individuals who, uh, you know uh, y- you sat in my seat last week at church. And so now I'm, I'm holding a grudge or whatever, all the way up to, like, you know, you, you think this way politically and, and that's in opposition to the way I think. And so, you know, we now have conflict, but, and, and again, there are petty things that we all need to get over, but, but I think that it it's all part of this same, it's all part of the same conversation that we're, we're having now. Like they're, they're not separate because it, it, it just, it's literally, it's all about from the smallest of incidences to the the largest of ways we organize ourselves collectively it it's about how can these communities not be destroyed by the div- conflict in a way that produces division but how can growth or mountains or whatever holy thing is on the other side how can how can that find itself being a real present in the world you know so 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 all of it matters you know it's not just the it's not just the big things it it it's the smaller it's the the way that you interact with the way the person that you are ordering food from matters yeah the way that you are are having conversations with people who oppose you politically matter Yep. like and and we have to treat each of those, as if they have cosmic implications.
0: I mean, we're, I talked to somebody last week that was talking about uh, they're preparing. They have like <laughs> basically a prepared speech to give their family when they go home for Thanksgiving, and uh, it's not great. It's it's tone oh. of it's probably not going to be good, and I do. I do think that there are people who are forget the family of God who are who are like forever separating themselves from their families because of divisions and differences of opinions politically and I do believe it's important I believe that voting is important I believe that like you know trust me I don't I don't think that this is not a, a important election I don't think that our our ideas politically don't matter. I believe they matter a lot, but I like there's there's some ir, like irreconcilable, irreversible damage that's being done right now among people that really love each other. Like, man, I saw people that were in each other's weddings and have been friends since they were children that were arguing on Facebook back and forth publicly on a thread the other day. And I was like, just like if you guys were to fantasy football draft tomorrow, you would never talk about this stuff. And can you not just call each other? Like it was so detached and so weird, and it was this other separate place that did not feel like it was even real. I don't know. It just—I I think it's a very strange time, and I think that uh, we are finding excuses to divide to divide ourselves even more than we already are.
1: Well, you bring up a good point there that, you know, obviously Facebook didn't exist in the time that this text was being written, but, you know, it says go privately and point (laughs) out. Yeah, right. And, and that wasn't, uh, and that was intentional because it's like, how do I, how, you know, there's so many, there's. Well, there's a lot of things wrong, but one of the one of the things that I think is so destructive is private conversations are being held publicly. Yep. And, and well, and I guess just the you know the short. It's, are being it's held backwards,
0: it stuff that stuff that yeah. starts public and then goes private is in the wrong order. Like it's supposed to start privately between two of you when you're at your most vulnerable and, and when you are not posturing as much. Oh,
1: of course. And and it's, it's being taken, you know, and it's being hashed out outside of the context of, of community. And say that doesn't mean like, doesn't mean to create this, in, you know, uh, ex- Inclusive community of like, well, we keep that within the church, you know. Our, it, but it's 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 bigger than that because it's it's about the intimacy. Like we've already said, it's about the intimacy of knowing the people that you are um, engaging with, and like if how absurd, like how literally absurd would it be if you know if Beth and I, my wife, had a disagreement. About something tonight, or whatever, and instead of talking to her, I just went and blasted her publicly. Like, <laughs> but but that's what's happening. Of course, yeah, yeah, and and you know, not to be pessimistic or whatever, but I, I told someone this the other day, and when we were talking about you know what's happening with social media and stuff like that, I just simply said. We, we will, whatever it looks like, we're going to get what we deserve because we're, we can stop this, but we aren't. Yeah. We're, we're being fueled by it as opposed to stopping it. And what we're not stopping looks very, very different, you know, than, than Matthew 18, which, which gives a representation of a genuine, true relationship uh, or a relational community that desires growth that desires to become courageously resilient in the world
0: yeah and and vulnerability and and anger are different things and uh i i think i was listening to hidden brain or invisibility one of the npr podcasts and they were talking about how they did this study and uh that anger over and against every other uh emotion, feeling, uh, human experience, even even more than sexual arousal is is the most contagious thing that we are so drawn to anger. And I thought that was extremely interesting because we do operate from that place. And I guess there's some kind of mental reward system. And that's how they measured, I think was with the dopamine or endorphins or whatever. But whatever we whatever anger produces, we're addicted to it, and uh, yeah, it's just a scary and weird place to be. I, I know we've talked all over the place and around and around this, but I do think it's really important, and uh, hope it's hope it's helpful to to someone.
1: Well, again, the, the the text speaks for itself. So you know, the way that we went on a thousand different tangents and everything doesn't detract from just a simple message of of what it is saying and you know again just it's it, we, we know it do we apply it you know do we embody do we embody the uh the truth that that we hear
0: yeah and do we risk relationships that uh that we would even come to a disagreement within um, or do we stay in shallow relationships that never would ever get to a place that a disagreement could happen? I think it's important for the church, for our church specifically to be in relationship to the point where we, we do get sick of things or we do encounter our differences. Um, so anyway, well, uh, this is good. I, I will, uh, I'll pray for us and then we'll, we'll jump off of here. We're probably past time, but Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love us and risk relatedness uh with us your people with the world um we want to do the same thing we want to risk relationships with each other um that get to the point where our differences become highlighted um in ways that you know bring about conflict and we want to do that well lord and so i pray that you would help us help us as we're more isolated that we than we've ever been but we're connected online in all these different places help us to be charitable to one another help us to follow this pattern taking things privately to people in an effort to find healing and um, something bigger is happening within all of it Lord and I just pray that we would lean into that that we would feel and sense that like reconciliation is there's something happening at a cosmic level when we do it well and so um yeah thank you for your presence thank you that you pursue us um thank you that even when we mess up this pattern that uh your grace outruns all of it thank you that you um are with us and in us and that we have union with you and we're um yeah we're grateful and we pray that your kingdom would come your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven jesus name amen